0: What's up, everyone, and welcome to The Corporate Bartender. I think you're going to enjoy today's episode. We're talking about working families, helping working parents, resources that you might not have known about, and the emotional and financial payoffs for doing things that good human beings do. We are so excited to have Debbie Yadigari on today's show. If you don't know Debbie, you're missing out. She's a former Wall Street lawyer and the mother of five kiddos. She walked away from the investment banking scene to solve a big problem in corporate America today, employer support for working parents. She's the CEO of Village, a company working to stem the losses of working moms, 43%, and dads, 33% each year. Oh yeah, and she's a hoot to hang out with. So buckle up, TC beers, grab your favorite cocktail, and let's get right on into it with Debbie Yadagari on today's TCB. Welcome to Sky Team's The Corporate Bartender. If you work in HR or make people decisions in your organization, this is the place to be. Now pull up a stool, belly up to the bar, and join us for The Corporate Bartender. Awesome, awesome. Well, welcome everybody. It is fantastic to see you all. It is is everybody's favorite day, right? It is Wednesday. It's The Corporate Bartender Day. And here we are, 22nd of September. Uh, episode one Oh two. So we've been at this for a while. It's nice to see people that let dip in and dip out. Haven't seen Chuck in a while. It's good to see you back. Chuck, I I, I understand that I, we missed you too. And I I understand that people have like life and work commitments that happen around four o'clock mountain on a Wednesday, but you know, when you're able to carve out a few minutes and hang out with us, that is awesome. So today. We've got a we've got a fun day, right? We've yeah. got a guest today. Debbie Yadagari is here. Say hi to everybody, Debbie.
1: Hello, everybody! Excited mm-hmm. to let's,
0: be here. Let's give yes. Debbie a big TCB welcome.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: De- Debbie is the CEO of a company called Village, and uh, Lori and Debbie are going to get into a conversation. They're going to talk all about that you'll have the opportunity to ask Debbie as many questions as you want about her her organization and her journey. And then we'll finish up like we always do with some funny things, a good feel story and a cocktail. So before hey, we get into the- cheers, Oh yeah, go
3: Let's just say cheers, just right, right from the get-go.
0: Cheers. <laughs> Happy
3: Wednesday, welcome. Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. Yeah
0: first tcb from the new tcb studios that are getting put together that's right pretty exciting um our news today are is interesting and Lori, i'm gonna let you lead this because our news is all focused on stories that debbie is in
3: <laughs> see what i did there
0: <laughs> right so and i love this first article because it takes me back to the 70s in my childhood uh who loves you baby is the title of this article <laughs> Makes me want a lollipop.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I was I was actually perusing the the village website. We'll talk more about that here in a little bit. And there's there's a lot of links to um, articles and information there relevant to this topic. And and I kind of anchored on this one because I felt like there was there was a lot of good um, kind of statistical information and, and just some really great concepts about this this notion of working parents. And one of the things that, um, I, I, I noted out of this was to kind of think of, of the comparison of uh, kind of historically, what was the perspective around this? And, and historically, right. This parenting or the, this, the baby's situation was, was predominantly a woman's issue. Right. And it was centered on maternity leave. Well, and, and it was considered, you know, it's only, it's only hard when your kids are young right? So is this really limited scope and perspective about parenting and the challenges of that and who's responsible and what does it take? And um, the, a, a lot of that just was minimized and just was quiet, right? And that it wasn't seen as a global, a bigger picture caretaker issue or a, you know, gender neutral issue. It was very focused on women. And one of the maybe bright spots of of the pandemic and the situation is that it has illuminated a little more of this caregiver uh, challenge that happens in in the workplace and and brought more transparency to that and more voice behind it. Um, So, you know, I thought I thought that was kind of an interesting perspective that, that I hadn't really thought about in terms of that dichotomy. Um, and, and that's one of the things that that village focuses on is is making it a we look at it through a gender neutral lens. And so it also helps kind of bring women to, you know, equal playing field in terms of, you know, it's it's not just up to the women to sort this out and, and that it is a bigger picture and it gives a lot more credit to the men who are dads, who are involved, who need to be seen and heard and and given the same opportunities. And so there's a lot of good stuff in there. But this was interesting. So um, Gallup reported in February of 2021 that there were 493,000 more women than men who have uh, now become absent from the workforce since the pandemic began, right? And part of that is because of, you know, family responsibilities, that they're way more likely to give up their roles before Mm -hmm. the the dads do or the men do. Um, But it's also because a lot of the jobs held by women were more heavily impacted by the pandemic. Right. So the, the kinds of jobs that that women were having were, you know, people were being laid off and that sort of thing. And so it's kind of compounded this issue about women's equality and opportunity and promotability and, you know, progression in the workplace. It's been kind of compounded through this, which, which we've talked about before on bartender Mm -hmm. as well. Um, Yeah. And there was, there was another, you know, pandemic, notwithstanding 43% of moms quit within three months of becoming a parent. Right, that it just becomes like, I can't, this is too hard. And and a lot of that is around my employer is not willing and able to, you know, modify what's going on or be flexible in that. So, um, you know, really this movement towards employers supporting that whole family structure, right, not just focused on take your parental leave or your maternity leave, but the whole bigger picture of, of that family structure it has these trickle effects across the whole organization, right? People are able to stay more engaged. They're able to be more present. They're able to, you know, all of those things, there's more loyalty and retention. Um, So this, this concept of ROI, why should employers, you know, focus on this and invest in this is significant. And if they're not doing it, it's, it's, you know, not being prioritized right? And, and maybe missing the boat in terms of, in terms of what those um, benefits could be. So anyways, a lot, lot of really good stuff on this article here um, in Leader's Edge, which is- What that. was that? Go ahead. Yeah. What,
0: what was interesting to me about it is I was just kind of reading through it and thinking about all the things that we do. You know, a lot of us here are HR people and we've been involved in making these decisions around how we make accommodation for folks uh, forever. And- it just got me thinking about all the things that we do today versus all the things we did not do 10, 15, 20 years ago. And it's still a problem, right? It's not, it's not to the point where we need it to be. And, you know, I, I, I think back to, I remember the first uh, organization that I was an HR person in where we debuted the concept of a mother's room Mm -hmm. and it was met with resistance. Like we had limited real estate, and somebody wanted that space for something. And 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 now you know it's like I don't know where we were, Lori. We were somewhere recently, and we saw one of those pop up mom pods. Mm-hmm. That was right, and and that's like that's a thing that ten years ago we'd have been like, ooh, that's an interesting thing. And now it's just like, oh, that's a thing, right? Mm-hmm. um And yet we're still nowhere near where we need to be with regards to accommodations, and and doing the things that normal good human beings would do for one another. (laughs) And and there's a financial upside to it for organizations. Is there a cost? Yes. Is there, you know, a a deal with it kind of thing? Yeah. But the the upside to productivity and engagement and happiness at work is is there in, in, in all counts, right? So I don't know. That's just, that's where my head went as I was reading through this. I was thinking, man, we're doing a lot compared to the old days, but it's not enough.
1: Yeah. Lori and Eric, you guys are completely selling my industry for me. This is awesome. (laughs) I I love it. I could not say it better than either of you. And yes, it's absolutely shocking. And there has been an evolution, but there's still a long way to go. And I do think that one of the bright sides of the pandemic is that it's now a topic of discussion at the very least. You know, before the pandemic, um, just to take a step back, what Village does is we work with organizations to support working parents. We connect employees one-on-one with experts, preconception to college plus elder care. And we also work with management to create parent-friendly workspaces to help managers think about what they should be saying and what they should be doing to create an empathetic atmosphere. And um, before the pandemic, there was a lot of like educating hr and benefits uh you know specialists it was like this is really a thing like you know like the pants you know right like we didn't know that these things existed <laughs> uh, and now like we're beyond we're not we're not quite to the stage where it's like okay here's the competition we know we need it which company do we want but we're headed in that direction. So it's very exciting, Mm -hmm. Um, but we still have a long way to go. And what's interesting is what you touched upon Lori is how it's now really leveling the playing field for working women. And it's kind of interesting, right? Because like working women have been kind of doing the juggle ever since like Rosie the Riveter, right? There, There's a war, women went to the the factory, we had babies on our hips, so we still had to get home and cook dinner. And like, how are we gonna do it? So we have a few generations now that I have served as role models, who does not have a role model with the juggle is the dad. Mm -hmm. And the millennial dad is vastly different from their manager today. You know, there was, there's like up until recently, it was still sort of a mad men situation, right? Where like, there was there were certain delineated responsibilities socially that are only now starting to be questioned by this specific generation. It's the millennials that are very, very, very in touch with shared responsibility at home. And what that does is carry over to the office so you see, working dads coming to the office looking a little bit bleary-eyed for the first time in generations because they've been up all night doing diapers and helping out um, mom. And so how are managers going to deal with that? And it's interesting. And you can't help but to ask the question, is the need to support working parents in the workforce now, is it being accelerated because men are needing this assistance as well? Mm-hmm. Um And so that's something that, you know, is neither here nor there. The important thing is we've got (laughs) it right? We're we're here. We're here. Exactly. It's happening and it's super exciting. But as HR professionals who feel, they get the feel good. They understand that it is the ethical and right thing to do. And they understand the loyalty and all of that. But then oftentimes you have to take the proposal and you have to go to the CFO to get approval. And how are you going to do that? Mm -hmm. And there is true ROI, which Eric, you were talking about. Um, And it goes back to those retention stats that you were talking about, Lori. Um, You know, the number you were saying that 43% leave, we always say 41%. um, And it's a lot however you slice the pie it is it's a big chunk of people that are leaving and when you couple that with like the great resignation that's going on right now i think mm-hmm. there's you know even statistically inclined cfos have to look at you know how are we going to affect these numbers And it really comes down to how are managers handling the people. And when you look across an organization, I think everybody here can attest that, you know, there's certain managers who will never lose employees unless there's a move or or something outside of, you know, their employees or team's control. But within an organization, there's always like a few managers who, you know, a lot of the attrition comes from that group or, or that team. So. We support managers, we support, um, I mean, I'm sorry, we support the employees, but we also have to support the managers and bring them into the conversation and educate them on what we, as the people people, um, already know just in our hearts and souls. But how do we take that out um, and make it actually executable? And that's part of what Village does.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. So Chuck, Chuck had typed something in the chat. We're just talking about the reluctance, right, to some of these these endeavors, Chuck, Chuck's Chuck's an employment lawyer and he's written a book. I'll plug the book, Chuck, because it's amazing, um, called, Can I, B- Can I Bring My Pet Monkey to Work? And it's <laughs> about all the wacky things that Chuck's had to deal with over his career. And he said in chat, I had a company reluctant to have a lactation room because that room stored the barbecue grill. <laughs> True story. Wow.
1: Wow. Priorities, right? Priorities.
0: That's the heavy lifting you have to do, Debbie. Just so you know.
1: <laughs> I, I feel it, I feel it. And you know, I, I, I'm a lawyer by background. I started my career in big law, moved in-house to investment banking. Um, and then I became one of those 41 or 43% of working parents who uh, jumped ship once they had a baby because I didn't have the support that I needed. And fast forward, I created the support that I needed. But that said, I remember being at the law firm. And at that time, I wasn't a parent, but witnessing lactating moms going into the wellness room where people would also go when they didn't feel so well. You know, so, oh, good. A, you know, so it's one thing to share it with a barbecue, but it's another thing to share, you know, a lactation room with a space that, you know, someone uses when they don't feel well. Um, <laughs> right.
0: Somebody vomited there just hours ago. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. It's going to the school nurse's office.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Nobody wants to pump in the school nurse's office. Exactly. I mean, it's pretty close to um, asking someone to pump in the bathroom. You know, it's. Right. I, yeah.
3: Yeah. It's Which funny. Is absolutely so that's a, a a good little segue to this Forbes article, which is the next one up there, um, which which features Village and and what Debbie has created, and kind of harkening back to I guess it was it was all the way back in 2010. When that legislation was passed about you, you know most workplaces had to provide a place right a, the, there were rules about what it had to be like it was not sitting on the toilet in the bathroom right <laughs> that is not a lactation space and so um you know and, and just all the challenges that that came with that but there was something in here that that was so cool that i didn't didn't realize so it's this idea of a woman's a, a woman's choice to breastfeed, and that there's, you know there's a lot of research about the health um, benefits of breastfeeding and and how that turns into better health for the mother and the baby, which then turns into fewer sick days and fewer, you know, doctors' visits, which all hit the, you know, the bottom line of your benefits plan and and so on. but this this idea of how a lot of women who had business travel, would give up on breastfeeding at their first business trip, right? Because they just couldn't sort it. And one of the things that Village does, if I'm saying this correctly, is, is they arrange to have a pump sent to wherever that person's going. And there, right. There's a concierge there who then delivers it and gets them all set up. And it's just part of the jam. Right. It's not an either or situation. I don't have to pack it. I don't have to change my, you know, my preferences. I, I'm just enabled to do that as part of my job when I have to travel. And, it, you know, and it's those kinds of things that. before there was this concept, you can see where that's where women were choosing like, well, do I take care of the health of my child and my preference to breastfeed or do I, does that mean I have to quit my job or I have to turn down this assignment or I have to work part time or, you know, all of those challenges and, you know, breastfeeding is a mom gig. That's not a dad gig of all the cool things that dads do.
0: (laughs) Right we can't do on. that.
3: We can't do that. So you know that that's just such a such a neat concept that that should just be easy, right? I, it, it was
0: funny when I read that. I was like, it, it that never even occurred to me that that could be a service, mm-hmm. and and that it was. I was just like, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Yeah. So what we do is, well, you know, to the hotel or wherever someone's staying, we will ship a breast pump ahead. So as they're waiting for the lactating mom, we will also arrange uh, specialized boxes so she can then take her pumped milk and ship it back home to the nanny. It, yes. it awesome. really makes it easier, mm-hmm. um, you know, when a mom doesn't have to think about those things, you know, before the pandemic, we were very bifurcated, right? We were like worker or, and or parents. And there was like this like door where we walked through the door, we changed our hat, we changed our persona. Um, But even when we came home and we were back in parent mode in the evening, we still had our phones. Some of us still have the phones at the table, you know, at dinner. We're we're checking our emails still. But no matter what, when you go back to an office, you're kind of trying to hide that persona Mm -hmm. of yourself as a parent. Well, when companies are asking you to completely leave your family and get on a plane and travel, it's almost impossible to do that. And especially for the breastfeeding mother. And so again, it's not only just this feel good, but the American Academy of Pediatrics has actually done studies and shown that by investing $1 in a corporate lactation program, um, a company is going to return $3 And it's part of what you push upon, Lori, about, you know, decreased absenteeism and, you know, mom's healthier and baby's healthier. Most people don't know that mom gets healthier, too. It's almost like Mother Nature sends out signals like, oh, my goodness, this woman has to take care of this baby, keep her healthy. And it's amazing. So there's decreased instances of cancer and long-term illnesses, even Mm. in mom. And so what that translates into is less doctor visits. And I don't, you know, perhaps many people here know being coming from HR and benefits, but the majority of healthcare costs go to pediatrician visits within a company. Um, you know, if you oh, think about it just yourself, how often do you take your kids to the doctor versus you, right? Like my yeah. kids are like 12 <laughs> times in one year, if it's an easy year, like I maybe get my once a year physical. And so breastfeeding is, um, it reduces especially in that first those first few years it cuts pediatrician visits in half it's amazing there's less ear infections there's a, many fewer of those early illnesses so in turn that cuts your healthcare bill so you know paying for a pump to end up at somebody's hotel and throwing a few more bucks at them to help them you know ship their breast milk home to nanny or caregiver it's a drop in the hat for mm-hmm. that return. It's going to be a 3x return that you're going to see from reductions in healthcare, and then, of course, also the reduced absenteeism. Because a baby's sick, who's staying home, right? It's most likely <laughs> going to be mom. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, yeah. Wow.
0: Awesome. Well, so. <laughs> We've broken protocol here. Debbie's been chiming in.
3: She, she is literally
0: the news today. So let's, let's back the truck up here a second. And Lori. Let
3: me, let me introduce you to Debbie. Yeah. Tell us who is
0: this Debbie Yadagari person
3: and what is village? Absolutely. So, so uh, Debbie is the founder and the CEO of Village, which is a a platform that connects employees uh, one-on-one with experts in in a variety of different areas of expertise. And and she can share more about that. Um, And it also is a a platform that provides training, as we mentioned, right? Because it's one thing to have a service. It's another to have a culture that supports the enablement of what village is about, right? And some and so a lot of that needs to come through the the awareness and and the training and, and the adoption from the the leadership. So that's also part of their service. Um the reason I am super jazzed about this is, is Cable Labs uh, contracted with with Village just this uh, starting this summer uh, to provide this benefit for our employees, and so we've had you know an opportunity to kind of see that in real time and, and give give our uh, our staff that opportunity to uh, participate in that. So, um, as as she mentioned, Debbie was once a Wall Street lawyer, um, decided to launch Village. Um, when she realized the problem she was facing after having a, a newborn baby that just wasn't, wasn't being accommodated in corporate America. And so, um, you know, she very sought after speaker, frequent contributor to Fox business and cheddar TV and ABC news and CBS and Fox news and Forbes, uh, many other of these news outlets. Um, and so, um, want to oh and so debbie lives in uh new york outside of new york city with her husband and her five children how many kids how many children wow
0: (laughs) on purpose right debbie you did that on purpose (laughs) intentionally five
3: (laughs) and they are heart
0: goes out to you you're a bigger person than me
3: they are they are (laughs) four ten twelve fourteen and fifteen so yeah there's a busy household there for you i am quite sure So, so with that, just brief introduction, Debbie, I would love for you to um, kind of back up a little bit again and, and tell us about how you got to where you are today, um, including any, we always ask our guests this, any interesting or weird jobs that you had along the way as you were, were coming up through your career, but, uh, but what brought you to this, this place that you are today?
1: Gosh, 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 gosh. Okay. Um, So let's start with the weird jobs. Um, nothing's so weird, but if you really want to deep dive into my psyche, I have five kids, um, because I'm an only child. Mm. Uh, and so as an only child, I was incredibly independent. Uh, and I was driven from day one. So any odd job I could get, I would take, I remember I I was the babysitter. Sometimes I remember I was babysitting for one family and they start, they actually asked me to like clean out their, their, Basement, I would do it. And, you know, I I was very entrepreneur entrepreneurial from the get-go. Um, I waitressed, I bartended, I did all of those jobs. I was the receptionist. I um, you know, put myself through school doing any meaning, menial task. And I am so happy and grateful for those experiences. And I, there's nothing more that I want than for my children to have those experiences. They are great. Um, so how I got to this point, as I touched upon earlier, um, I made the move from big law uh, to investment banking. And when I went in-house, there was so much money and so much energy poured into my training. Uh, You know, people were gung-ho about bringing me on board. It was exciting. Um, I felt like a wanted person within the organization. I felt like I was someone who was going places. It was very type A. And then I was pregnant. And then all of a sudden it was like, uh, uh, uh and the excitement stopped. And what I realized was that I had well-intentioned managers who didn't know how to handle the situation. And you know, you know how the story ends, I ended up leaving. But even before that, you know, there were comments made, like, uh, you know, for instance, somebody said to me, you know, investment banking is really rough, you know, so you can be there as a mom, or do you have any interest in switching positions or departments? And it was well intentioned. But it wasn't what I needed to hear. What I needed to hear was that, look, we're standing behind you and we're going to continue to support you. We're going to continue to throw energy into um, developing your career. But I didn't get that message. And when I walked away and looked around me at the time, I didn't realize that it was 43% of others who were leaving as well. And it's not just all moms. Actually, 33% are dads. Mm -hmm. But we don't always see that number because oftentimes it's moms That will, you know, spend a little bit of time at home, dads will often just switch jobs for a more parent friendly employer. And I realized that this was a problem that needed to be solved. And so, as uh, Lori stated, the laws, you know, changed in 2010. The Affordable Care Act um, required companies to provide both time and space that was not a bathroom to the breastfeeding employees. And having come from corporate America and having a legal background and being the type A person I was and having had my own personal breastfeeding struggles, I had gone on to become a lactation consultant. And so I dug deep in um, lactation, in corporate lactation as just a foothold in the space. And what we realized was when we were talking to breastfeeding moms about going back to work and how to pump and how to handle the, the, you know, the logistics, that was like a, a tiny part of what they wanted to talk about. What they really wanted to talk about is how am I going to keep my career on an upward trajectory? How am I going to have a difficult conversation with my manager? How am I really going to do all of this? How do I, handle, you know, this co-parenting situation um, that I have. And companies started to give us great feedback that the working moms loved it, but they said to us, what can we do for the working dads? And so we said, oh, all this coaching stuff that we're doing is absolutely gender neutral. And that's how we started to go in this direction. Very quickly, we realized that it wasn't just about supporting the parent. You can support the parent until you're blue in the face. You can have like 20 experts, you know, following behind that parent, but they're going to be lost without a corporate culture that supports them as well. And that's what I had needed personally. And so that's what I really dove deep on in creating Village was providing um, a solution that can both help the employee as an individual, but provides a holistic solution to really create a parent-friendly workplace. So that's what we're doing. That's why I'm doing it. And I am incredibly motivated by all of the working parents that we serve every day. We know that um, at the clients we serve, uh, we've been able to help maintain an extraordinarily high retention rate post-leave. So our clients collectively maintain a 96% retention rate, even despite what's going on now. Um, And that really shows that's not that, you know, moms just want to kick back and, and, you know, take a load off after having a baby. But when provided with the support, they can continue to be incredibly productive parts of the organization. Mm-hmm. And numerous psychologists, like, a lot, it's like psychological studies have been shown that um, actually moms are really good at multitasking, right? Any, any moms here, we know this already, right? This is intuitive, but studies have shown that. And so if you can get over the hump of, you know, leave and yeah there's gonna be a little bit of bleary eyedness in the beginning of the go um, but you're gonna have a great committed team player um, mm-hmm. if you support the employee. I was talking to a working dad today uh, and he was he told a story about how there was a family emergency. And, his, and he was at a new job and he was like, and he actually was embarrassed to admit that his wife was in the ER and he was like, well, I'm not sure how long I could get there. How, you know, how long um, can it be? Can I? Are you okay? Can you just get checked in? I'll be there in like an hour or two. And his new boss overheard this and was like, are you kidding me? That's not the way it works here. Family first, go. Mm-hmm. And he ended up continuing to work for that company for 15 years um, mm-hmm. until that manager himself retired. So mm-hmm it creates such loyalty, which you spoke about earlier, Lori. Um, sorry, I'm going off on a totally different tangent. <laughs> I'm going on and on and on. Um, so yeah, so I started this journey because I personally recognized the need. And as I continue on day after day, I recognize it wasn't just a personal need, it's absolutely a societal need. It's what we need. We need to change the corporate landscape. And um, I thank all of you for all of the great work that you're doing here and for your interest on this topic.
3: Yeah, so so that makes me think of, it, and we did touch on this a little bit, but from, from your experience in starting this and, and having it really rolling prior to the pandemic, what do you notice? What are the different dynamics or conditions for working parents pre-pandemic world versus current status in the midst of pandemic? And what do you see coming? Like, what do you, what do you see as, are there potential silver linings coming out of this experience?
1: Yeah, I think before pandemic, we had a lot of closet parents, you yeah. know, you know, we talked about how you didn't want to have too many pictures of your kids on your desk, you know, you wanted to pretend like you were a completely focused professional. Um, during the pandemic, we saw kids running around the background, right? So that was chaos. And coming out of it, the silver lining is that we're going to get to bring our whole selves to the office. And what's changing is employees feel empowered to have conversations around their needs, fam that are family related. So, you know, before it might've been like taboo, instead of saying that you were going to a PFA meeting, you know, maybe you had a doctor's appointment, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, now I think it's much more acceptable and employees would feel more comfortable being like, I have to be at the school for my kid. Um, Mm -hmm. I think as managers, as employers, as companies, we've been able to see the real person in the screen with all the chaos in the background. And I think Companies now are going to have to learn how to embrace that whole person. And that's yeah. going to be a yeah. big, huge silver lining.
3: And, and we've talked about on, on Bartender and just a lot of the things that we all read and, and share that the, the higher the level of leadership that demonstrates that honesty and that authenticity and that vulnerability, yeah. the, the quicker that permeates the culture, right? The quicker people feel like, oh, they're like me. Right. They're not a million miles away. They're pretty much like me. And that's, you know, something that pre-pandemic that I noticed at cable labs. And and I I talk a lot about our our leadership there and and our CEO, but he has a, a grandson that was born with some some special needs and some some difficulties. And it was there, there was no question about what his priorities were. There was no question. And he talked about it. And he, I mean, and, and he went where he needed to go and he spent the time where he needed to spend it. And he would, people would ask in public forums how his grandson was doing and he would talk about it and he would get choked up. And I mean, that kind of experience sets a tone for the whole organization. And, and so I think I agree with you that, that silver lining coming out of this is just just the whole person aspect of what we've been able to see and even if it's the the cat that always comes across the keyboard during important meetings right and everybody knows that that that's a thing that happens in in that household or you know whatever those 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 secrets are that didn't have a choice but to become visible and present and, and I think that that's been such a huge, shift in just the way relationships um, are, are formed and, and the, the way that impacts the culture. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And look, we've removed
1: the boundaries um, in so many respects, right? There's no boundary between home and the office anymore. But and what we've seen is that's leading to burnout before the pandemic we're like we can't let people work from home because they're not going to really work so hard Mm -hmm. no they work harder than ever because there are no boundaries so when you allow people to be their whole self to take off to go to somebody's soccer game or to make a pfa meeting More likely they're going to end up giving even more, you know, they're going to be burning that midnight oil, they're going to be making it up. So Mm -hmm. coming out of the pandemic, I think it's the opportunity for all of us and not just parents, but, you know, marathon runners or, you know, anybody who has something going on outside of work to be more of themselves Mm -hmm. and be able to prioritize Um, you know, things when they need to be prioritized. There are certain roles that have to absolutely be done between the hours of nine to five, like sales, for instance, but even sales, you can do a lot of the emails and follow-up and everything at a certain time and then carve out, you know, that time for face-to-face Zooms. And so as organizations, as we begin to allow our employees to work more asynchronously, um, it provides for many opportunities for us to change culture and empower our employees, which is only going to benefit at the bottom line. We're all going to end up bringing more creativity to the table. We're going to be, we're going to be even more whole. It's going to be um, the more we embrace this, the more positive it will be.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any favorite sort of case study stories of clients that you've worked with or, or, you know, people that have had amazing experiences um, through the work that you do?
1: Yeah, great question.
3: So nothing
1: that really stands out as being super particular, because there are so many that are just, it's the same story. Okay. Like so many that we talk to are like, I can't do it. I'm not going to be able to return to work. And then they do. And then they come back to us a year later and they're like, I'm so happy I had village. Not only did I come back to work, but I've had a promotion and I'm successful. And I I look at my child and they're so happy in daycare. And oh my gosh, if I had to stay home with them, you know, I would have driven them nuts. They would have driven me nuts. And they're, they're happier once they get over the hump. Mm -hmm. Um, That's not to say that there's anything wrong with making the choice to stay home, to care for your kids. Uh, But sometimes those decisions are foisted upon us. Um, by lack of opportunity to choose Mm -hmm. and so it's so rewarding when we're able to put employees in a position to make that choice that's a balanced choice and it's the right one for them and it's not one that they feel is being foisted upon them Um, it's also great when every time we see a working dad reach out to us and I would say that it's probably about 40% 40% males who reach out to us and 60% females, e- which is shocking to most people. Yeah. Uh, dads are absolutely reaching out for help. Sometimes it's help for their partner, um, but oftentimes it's help for themselves also. Mm-hmm. Uh, even you know, there's a lot of pressure on dads today to be that super dad. Uh, you know, we talked about so long about the pressure to be super mom, um, but not not enough emphasis has been placed on the pressure of dad to be super dad. And mm-hmm. there is a lot of pressure there. We talked to so many working dads who are literally getting up for every feeding with their partner and she's breastfeeding or like, get some sleep. Like, you know, <laughs> get some sleep. So that way when she's not breastfeeding, she can get some sleep and hand you the baby. Like you've got to tag team this. <laughs> um, So, you know, they're just so many success stories that we know is making a difference. And we spoke to somebody today uh, who was, you know, you mentioned before at the start of the podcast that these aren't services that parents of just young children need. We talked to somebody today who had two older children and she's struggling with bedtime and she's struggling with discipline and she's struggling with respect. And at the end, she was just like, this just feels so good to talk about it because I can't talk to anybody. Um, She told one of our coaches that she screamed at the top of her lungs at one of her children. And that actually works when it comes to discipline. It's not what she wants and she's embarrassed to admit it, but she said that's not something that she could ever tell to somebody else. It's not something that she would tell to her friends that she absolutely loses it. Mm -hmm. And to be able to have a place where you can turn to release some of the mental load so that way you can be more successful both, personally, as well as professionally, it's what absolutely drives me and motivates me every day.
3: Yeah. And that's, what's cool is it's, it's from the the services that you have and the expertise in, in, in your staff goes, it spans from preconception, right. To, so there there's work with fertility and with, you know, all, all of those things that come before um, all the way through right college. And, and there's, financial counseling and there's behavioral health counts, you know, services and there's lactation and right. That, the whole spectrum, um, which, you know, it's to, to your point, it's not just about being pregnant, newborn young children, right. There's a bigger scope of this, that, that is important to, you know, to take care of and and address. Um, so the, the other thing I wanted to ask is what kind of, what kind, what are the topics of your management training? Like what are, what are some of the, the, I know you do webinars and I know you do, you know, you can customize things, but what are the, what are the big topics that you, y'all cover?
1: A lot of generational differences, which we've touched a little bit on. Um, some of our older stodgier clients, uh, you know, white shoe firms, uh, you know, some old consulting companies that have been around, you have, you um, you have management teams that are more heavily weighted towards older white men who don't understand the nuances of today's family or the responsibilities of today's millennial father. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot about that. There's a lot about um, just educating people about what is necessary to support the various journeys of the working parent, as you were just saying, preconception forward. Um, About two weeks ago, there was an article in the weekend section of the Wall Street Journal and it was talking about fertility benefits, the new hot thing. Not even it's not even so new, right? It's been around for several years. Um, and companies are paying a lot of money for fertility benefits. But the article was discussing how companies outlay the money for these services, and uh, employees are going on to have babies. And at the end, employees are actually jumping ship to other employers which is the opposite reason that the employer <laughs> invested in these services. Right. And when they dig a little deeper, deeper, the reason this is happening is because when you go out and will not go out, but you're, you're going out and on doctor's appointments, when you're going through your fertility struggle, there are many doctor's appointments that you must attend. There's hormones that you have to deal with. There's all sorts of external pressures being placed on you as a to be working parent, and that's what's lacking is that support around that and so you have doctors who are going to help you but they're not helping with that mental load how are you going to have these conversations about why you have to go out on a weekly basis and you know you may or may not really want to tell your manager about what's going on personally so how do you deal with that and so that so it's like that disconnect and it becomes this friction between employees and employers um, that at the end of the day, this what's meant to be a well-intentioned great benefit isn't serving the purpose. Um, in fact, people companies are losing the employees who are going through these services. So a lot of our training is about empathy, about you know how what to expect and how to talk about these things. A lot of it is also about bias. You talked about that a little bit earlier, Lori, about you know. Don't assume that, you know, like was my situation that I wanted to leave investment banking, which is a 24-7 gig just because I'm becoming a mom. Don't just assume that somebody um, doesn't want to, you know, go for the promotion because they're pregnant. Um, You know, one uh, working mother shared a story with me once that she was a consultant. She was traveling all of the time. And uh, after like one long trip, she was with her boss traveling through the airport and they were waiting to get through customs. And she made the comment, she was like, I'm so tired. Um, Fast forward a couple of weeks later, she wasn't offered the chance to travel again, to go meet with a big client. And somebody else was chosen. And she went to her boss's office and was like, why did you choose him over me? And he said, because when we were coming back from that trip, you you told me that you were tired. And I knew you have kids at home. And, you know, I didn't want to overburden you. He was well-intentioned. She was saying, dude, I've been traveling just like right. you have. I've been walking in heels throughout this airport. Like, <laughs> I'm tired. Like, right? Like, you try doing that. It'd be, your words wouldn't just be, on." tired. There'd be a, a few expletive <laughs> along the way. And so Thank it's like, You know, taking away those biases and teaching managers how to communicate, how to ask questions, how to take an interest, and how to give our employees grace. We have to all remove our biases and also realize that sometimes as managers, we are in um, a loftier position financially. We might have more child care help, um, better access to things than some of our employees who might struggle and have to rush out the door because their daycare is closing at 5 o'clock. And their daycare doesn't offer extended care, or they don't have a live-in nanny.
3: Um, so it's, it's just recognition or, of these things. Or you get charged by the minute for every minute yes. that you're late in picking right. up your kid. How about a nice ball of anxiety as you drive 100 miles an hour <laughs> to pick up your kid? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That is not on...
1: manager's mind when they're spending an extra 15 minutes to review something that could just as easily be discussed the next morning or even by email
3: right it's funny because i my when i started my current job or current employer at cable labs i was in a different role and the the vp of hr that was there was um about a year out from retirement and she'd been with the company for 20 years and um lovely woman, fairly traditional, you know, old school kind of kind of thinker, great. Um, but I would notice that she would routinely be in meetings at the end of the day with with her boss, right? That would that would go until five thirty, 6, 6:30, and she uh, she never had kids and, you know, was you know, fine financially and married and had, and all of those things. And I remember thinking, I'm like, there's no way that I would be here until six thirty every night, just having shoot the shit meetings with <laughs> with my boss. I got stuff to do, right? And and it was just kind of this, I don't know. And and I think she, it never occurred to her to say no. It never occurred to her to put any boundary around that. And I mean, she didn't have. Kids and hadn't been through that that cycle, but but I think there's also just that mentality of until they stop talking, I have to stay here, right? Yeah. And and I'm a, I'm one like I got a hard stop at five thirty, so yeah. if we could wrap this up, and and you know, kind of empowering moms and dads, any kind of caretaker, right, or any anybody, right? This isn't it. It goes to that holistic. View of I'm a whole person, right? I have a, a puppy at doggy daycare that I need to go pick up, right? So like, can we have an efficient meeting here so that yeah. I'm not doing this until 630 tonight. And like you said, it's, it's thinking of thinking beyond ourselves as leaders to recognize what's going on in other people's lives.
1: Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And everything that you just said. Right. The person who's staying until seven o'clock to shoot the shit isn't yeah. any more productive right. than the person out the door at five thirty having a family dinner and back online maybe to check some emails. Right. And, and so we have to put less of an importance on time in the seat yeah. and really encourage our managers to set clear objectives that we can point to and be like, oh wow, they're blowing the objective out of the water. You know. And so we we put together KPIs and objectives often for like sales people and, you know, people that have to make clear um, levels or clear quotas, but we need to do more of that with uh, all of our team members. And that way it empowers all employees, whether you're a parent or a fur baby or a marathon runner. So that way you have that ability to be like, no, I am delivering. You might not see me, you know, in the office late, but I am delivering so much more than the person who is in the office. And, you know, FaceTime is a huge bias that we have to be aware of, especially as some people remain at home and some people start to transition back to the office. We know that's going to be a bias that we have to check ourselves on.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So I also want to. save save room for any of y'all if you have any questions or curiosities for for Debbie and and the kinds of services and and things that they do or just this concept in general, if there's any any questions from any of y'all.
0: Well, while people think of it, I I have one. And just hearing all of the amazing things that you guys offer, it makes me wonder about revenue model, right? So how do you pitch this to yeah. And I'll just be honest: old white dudes who <laughs> typically control the purse strings in in a lot of organizations today. How do you get them to buy into the upside of your proposition, Debbie?
1: Yeah, thanks for asking that question. So we go to three things: we go to attrition, productivity, and litigation. Um, you know, yeah. So. Oftentimes, um, you know, a company will have a great policy, but it'll be one bad actor or a manager who says or does the wrong thing that gets everybody in hot water. Um, and we see these things happening it, throughout the headlines. You know, J.P. Morgan, two years ago, was sued um, by a working father for discrimination and he won and it was a five million dollar settlement. And while five million dollars is like, you know, nothing for J.P. Morgan for
0: J.P. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. The press was terrible. The press was absolutely terrible. You know, so we, so the old white guy in the corner office has to worry about reputational risk and also those litigation payouts and what is going to cost the company um, in dollars and cents and cents both terms of the word. Um, and then when you look at um, retention, when you look at those. of people who don't come back post baby and you look at what it's going to cost to replace that employee. And even if you take it as low as, you know, it's going to be 10% of their salary, which it's going to be one, two, three times the salary, yeah, right? right? But even, yeah. I, I just had this argument with um, somebody recently and we, we, I have a spreadsheet that I worked out and I showed the numbers, <laughs> that we put it at 10% of somebody's salary. The ROI still was 10X um, wow. of the investment in Village because what we're looking at is what is your retention rate without Village? And what is your retention rate with Village? And we can show an amazing cost savings there from just, you're not going to have to replace somebody. And then you think about, okay, so, All right. So whether you get the great retention rate with Village or, you know, the not so great retention rate without Village, let's look at productivity. 80 percent of working parents are going to admit the other 20 percent are liars that uh, (laughs) caregiving affects their productivity. And economists have placed a number on the loss of productivity at 34 cents per dollar first distraction office. That's Mm -hmm. heavy. And I'm not saying that, Hey, you bring on board village and your working parents are never going to think about anything at home. Like, no, that's not going to happen. But we can tell you is they don't have to go down the Google rabbit hole and we're going to cut that figure. So instead of it being, you know, so even if we discount you know, so it's 80 percent of the working parents at 34 cents on the dollar. And we cut that by a certain percent. Again, that's going to be more savings. So we have spreadsheets to take to the old white guy in the corner office. But <laughs> we cut attrition, we increase productivity and we reduce litigation
0: risk. I, I love that. I love that. And I mean, think about it. If there were any other thing that you could point to the old white guy in the corner office and say this is costing you thirty cents on the dollar, they would be all over it.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: right. They, without even questioning it, they would be all over it. Yeah.
3: And we awesome. just last two weeks ago, I guess we were we were talking about um, the the um, context switching and distraction mm-hmm. and how long it takes for you to recover from a distri- from a distraction, right? In terms of just you know workforce productivity and tips about how do you how do you prevent those things and when do you do maker time versus right? And so you think about that if you're if you're on your text every other minute with with the nanny or the school or the doctor's appointment or the research or the what, you're really doing nothing all day yeah. <laughs> right And so better to just, whatever right different different way to handle it take the day call the resource what, whatever it is because trying to juggle all of that and pretend that you're listening in the meetings and you miss half the stuff and then you can't finish the work and you're behind right so i mean just just how our brains work we we can't context switch immediately it takes a lot of time to do that so with with parenting issues and, and care issues that you know that's all in the mix yeah absolutely absolutely yeah.
0: So yeah, bring your questions. Who's got questions for Debbie and who wants to sign up for Village?
1: <laughs> <laughs> or if there's any questions that you're dealing with at your companies, um, if this doesn't have to be about sales, uh, if there's anything that I can help you with any problems that you are experiencing or policies that you're thinking about directions you're considering going, I am happy to
3: opine. I'm actually gonna uh, drop the the link to their website there if you haven't already been googling that but a lot of great resources that are just available um just to get a sense of of what they do there at village but um yeah where you're hired what's that
1: you're hired <laughs>
3: <laughs> do i get a discount on next month invoice no <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, big ups to Debbie and Lori. This has been fantastic, right? Yes.
3: Thank this you. has been new, Debbie.
0: Yeah. Thanks, thanks for being here, Debbie. Um, I'd encourage you uh, you know, join our, our online network. We have a, a network called the Corporate Bartender Network, and a lot of these people who don't make it every week, they go there for information. And I think, I think the information that you and Village uh, provide would be super helpful to many of them in that space. And, and that might be a, a good use for you. Um, yeah, this has been a, fa- a fantastic conversation. I, I, love, I love hearing about all the things that, that you're doing and as socially proactive as they are And as exciting as it is, man, it kind of bums me out that we need you, right? I mean, (laughs) the fact that we need Village to help do the things that human beings should do for one another Mm -hmm. kind of bums me out a little bit. But, you know, just like all complex problems, having having a solutions provider that has been there, done that, got the T-shirt and thought it through. Yeah. um is is way more helpful you know I, I think about all of my years in in hr when when i'm dealing with uh, an employee relations type of issue um when i had to solve the problem myself it was hard mm-hmm. when i had a partner i could go to that had solutions man i love that so much so mm-hmm. i'm hopeful that that your solutions will be will be helpful to to many folks in our community so thank you
3: hey i much. see that ruby has a question what I should have put my hand up, my, my fake hand, my emoji <laughs> hand.
1: Um, I was just thinking about when we look at this from a global perspective, like
3: where is the U.S. On, on this as far as taking care of working families and are there countries that are really, really good at this and, and where do we fall in the U.S., especially for those of us who work in global organizations?
1: Yeah, great question. Um, so we are bottom of the barrel. We are like I, I think the only industrialized nation that does not offer um paid leave. Uh you know, many companies offer paid leave, but in other countries yeah, yeah, really, really bad. Um, and there are many countries that offer it for as you know, as long as one year. And so a lot of these issues that we're talking about when it comes to breastfeeding in the office and travel, they're just not even issues for other countries because mm-hmm. other countries allow mom or dad in many situations even to stay home for a full year. Um, some mm-hmm. countries, um, I think the Netherlands, double check me it might be the netherlands um you know they uh, they also will give a whole year up to a dad and allow him to like break it up over time um you know so if you need like three months here three months there um you know whereas like for mom they're assuming that you need to physically recover i mean three months is not is is the typical Mm -hmm. leave here whether it's paid or not and you're by anyone who's given birth they don't feel 100 at three months right like we're still recovering so we are absolutely terrible um if you look at a country like india um they give six months paid leave and paid child care um wow. by the government right and mm-hmm. so we're actually talking to companies in india and their pain point isn't the services that they're providing to employees but it's the managers. Interesting. Oh, wow. Because oh. what they have in India mm-hmm. is companies. I mean, employees are coming back from a great leave. They have their childcare. They're like, I'm back. And the managers are greeting them with, how was your vacation? Did you like it? Six months off. And we've been picking oh. up the slack. Oh, dear. So, yeah. <laughs> it's curious, it's no. The different countries, uh, right? Um, yeah. So, yeah, we're bottom of the barrel. <laughs> of the
0: barrel. <laughs> wow. Well, that's uplifting. Thanks, Debbie. <laughs> Yikes!
3: It's that, it's that crazy, right? American culture, like you—you you have to be suffering in order to be successful, or in order to prove yourself, or in order to be seen. Right? It's—it's it's this weird this weird thing that we do, right? That burnout is a badge of honor, right? I worked 80 hours a week. Ah, yeah. Why, why would you do that?
0: <laughs> I didn't sleep and I didn't, haven't eaten since Tuesday. I win. Yeah.
1: An interesting statistic. I love it. I, I, um, somebody shared with me recently that like, I'm, I'm going to butcher it. It's 20% of the stuff that you do is really what pushes the ball forward. So it's like 80% is like what you were saying, Lori, it's like busy work or you're distracted. Or So okay. if we can really funnel our energies into that 20%, and that's why it's always good to look at objectives and KPIs and like, all right, where are we spending our energy and where are we really getting the most bang for our buck? But if we can do that in all facets of our life, like we can start talking about the four day work week, right? It's, um, you know, how can we, Again, really prioritize what needs to be prioritized, whether it's our families, whether it's the assignment or the clients, there are many ways that we can make it win-win. And these conversations are just the beginning of it. So thank you. Awesome.
0: Mm.
3: Awesome. Well, thank you, Debbie. Wonderful conversation.
0: Thank you so much. All right, guys, let's do some funny things. A good feel story, a cocktail and get out of here. Funny thing, number one today, (laughs) this made me laugh, me telling a joke. Sarah with no H. Ha ha. Sarah with an H. Ha ha. With an H. (laughs) (laughs) And because because Ruby's here and we love a good cat meme, brother, I must stop you. Brother, you can't stop me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and... We lost we lost a a funny funny person this week. Norm McDonald died this weekend. Um and I just wanted to remind everybody that Norm McDonald wrote the best book dedication ever to Charles Manson. Not that Not one.
3: That one. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Rest
0: in peace Norm. Rest in peace. And uh I don't know there aren't many dudes on this call but Chuck Can you empathize with me here? Reading cooking instructions of the bag I just threw out. (laughs) (laughs) Been there, done that.
1: (laughs) There must be a scientific reason why I have to look three times and I can't remember. (laughs) boil for 10 minutes, you know?
0: (laughs) (laughs) From the, you can't unsee this department. I saw somebody say that Joel Olstein looks like Martin Short pretending to be Tim Allen and I can't unsee it now. (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> that's fantastic oh,
0: and you can't unsee it literally <laughs> my favorite funny thing today um, forgot my mic was on and farted in zoom class and it made me full screen so everyone <laughs> knew it was me
3: <laughs> oh no uh,
0: Uh, And on a slightly more somber note, uh, today's Good Feel story is a 9-11 story. And I just wanted to share this with you. It's just a couple minutes long.
3: Steve Hartman has a portrait of love everlasting.
2: After 20 years in a box, Monica Eichen is ironing her wedding dress, getting ready to wear it once more. And although she will wipe away every wrinkle, she will not smooth over the tragedy it represents.
1: I think wearing the dress makes a statement.
2: What is the statement?
3: That I was happily married the day he died. And I was looking forward to having a family.
2: Monica was married just 11 months when her husband Michael, a bond trader, died in Tower Two. It was a brief marriage, but Monica says the loss feels everlasting.
3: There is no moving on, you never move on from it. You move in. You move into the life that was chosen for you. Hi, my name is Monica Eichen, founder of September's Mission.
2: When I first met Monica, just four months after 9-11, she'd already moved into that new life.
3: We will fight.
2: Advocating for a memorial on the site of the towers and warning that any other use of the land would be unacceptable. You're going to stand down there. Absolutely. In front of the bulldozers and not let them put up a building.
1: Right we don't build over crying souls.
2: She was tenacious, relentless. George Pataki, New York governor at the time, says it's important to remember that a lot of people didn't think we needed a memorial here. People who just said we had to move on, just rebuild. But Monica said this was hallowed ground. Was there a louder voice than hers? (laughs) A lot of people deserve credit for that, but certainly Monica Eichen is among the most Monica has since remarried and has a family, but she freely admits and has come to accept that she will always be in love with two men.
1: We can live our lives, but still keep that memory.
2: Moving in, but never moving on. Her motto and her vision for this most sacred space.
0: I'm not crying, you're crying. (laughs) That was great.
3: That's really
0: cool. And today's semi-quarantine cocktail is The Spiteful Brother. It's a riff on the Almond Brother. You're gonna need one 10-foot wide house, a little bit of tequila, some Amaretto. This house was built before after right after the Civil War. Um, some apricot liqueur or preserves. So there were two brothers. And they had a plot of land in downtown Boston. And while one was the way it wore, the other one built a house on most of the land. <laughs> so the other brother came back, need a little bit of lime juice, and he built the skinny house on what was left of their land. <laughs> Just to spite the brother, you're going to need a little bit of orgeat. <laughs> That house in Boston just sold for 1.25 million dollars. A little bit of maple syrup and real estate is bananas, (laughs) y'all. Bananas.
3: Ten feet (laughs) wide.
0: Holy cow! (laughs) Ten feet wide, three stories tall. It does have a rooftop patio with a view of the harbor, so that's not bad. But it's pretty small, and it just sold for (laughs) one and a quarter million dollars. Guys, as always, thank you so much for being here today big big thanks to debbie for being here that's been amazing the conversation was fantastic i encourage you all to check out village and if you have questions for her hit her up directly we'll put her uh information uh, on the website and in the show notes when this goes live and i'm going to push this to the front of the rack we're going to do this one next (laughs) this one will come out this week debbie just dropped her email into chat debbie at village.com Thank you so much, Debbie. I think the 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 world today, corporate America is is grossly in need of your services, and we're happy to have gotten to spend some time with you here today on the Bartender.
3: Thank you, thank you, thank oh, so you. Much.
0: All right, guys. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week. Hail. Have a great weeks, everybody. Take care. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you had a good time and learned a thing or two at today's happy hour, please share it with your friends. If you want to join our tribe, head on over to skyteam.cloud forward slash TCB or email us at info at skyteam.com. That's S-K-Y-E team dot com. Thanks again. And remember, you've always got friends at the corporate bartender.